You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. everyone welcome back to politics weekly uh this week i am here with bh bucci uh thank you for joining me sir oh thanks for having me Nolan. um now you have i believe you have a podcast of your own correct yes i do thecentristvoice.com do you want to tell people uh, a little bit about that podcast jump right in uh, with the first news story, and this is about another uh, challenger uh, who, uh, to Donald Trump, another Republican challenger. Uh, As we reported before, former uh, Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld and former Illinois Congressman Joe Walsh uh, are hoping to uh, win the Republican nomination in 2020 and prevent Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee once again. However, a third uh, candidate is hoping to take on Donald Trump as well, and that is former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford. Sanford uh, previously served uh, as, uh, as or he previously represented uh, South Carolina's first congressional district in the United States House of Representatives uh, from twice from 1995 to 2001 and from 2013 to 2019. Um, He also served as governor of South Carolina from 2003 uh, to 2011 uh, and at one point uh, was on the uh, was uh, the chair of the Republican Governors Association uh, though he had to resign uh, in 2009 uh, after disappearing to an uh, island uh, where he had an affair with another woman uh, who was not his wife. Um, I remember that. I remember uh, that completely. So uh, Sanford has now announced, after a lot of speculation, uh, that he will be running. Uh, Sanford gained a lot of uh, national attention uh, when uh, state, when then South Carolina state lawmaker Katie Arrington uh uh, challenged him in a primary for his seat uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives last year. Donald Trump notably endorsed Arrington over Sanford, 
Uh, Sanford later lost the primary to Arrington, who later lost uh, the uh, House race to uh, Democrat uh, Joe Cunningham, uh, who uh, became the first Democrat in 40 years uh, to hold that seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Sanford later expressed interest uh, for months in a primary challenge against uh, President Trump. Uh, He has now said uh, that he will do just that. What are your thoughts on Mark Sanford announcing uh, his candidacy uh, for president in 2020? So essentially he's the rights version of Beto O'Rourke. He won one time, then he lost, then he had some type of affair with a mistress and disappeared for a week. His staff didn't know where he was. It was a shame because he was actually back from, he was actually on the fast track back then. He had to work his way towards the White House. So, no, and I'm going to give my take on this. Mark Sanford has some type of name recognition. The other two you're talking about are only popular in their local regions. What wins contests is name recognition. So Trump, the benefit with him is he had name recognition for the past 30 years. People knew all about him. All the politicians, left and right, they all sucked up to him so they can get campaign donations. They knew, and everybody wanted to be with him. That's why his book, The Art of the, Art of the Deal, has been selling since you know, it first came out. And it's still being published right now. So you and I both know that what wins contest is not only substance and how you come across to the people, but do people, one, think that you actually have a shot of winning? So you have to first get that horse lined up. But two, are people going to recognize your name? Because if they've never even heard of you before, like most people, unless you're like you and I, where we follow politics, you're not going to know who Mark Stanford was. I never heard of who Bill Walsh was. He, he looks like he's some type of you know, comic book character from a celebrity apprentice, you know, cast off. And then you have Bill Walsh who tried to run last time also in the last 2016 election and got nowhere. It was, I think it was like two, if I remember correctly, it was, it was two Massachusetts boys. It was a he, governor and a former governor that were running for office, tried to win mm-hmm. uh, the Republican nominee, and, and they got nowhere. So no, I, be, I believe what happened was he actually ran for vice president as a libertarian. He ran as Gary Johnson's running mate at, on That's the ballot. That's was, right. I don't remember where Gary Johnson was from. He was from New Mexico. New Mexico. So they, that's right. Yeah, he, he was a character himself, too. So, but he had no shot. So what do you, what do you see what's going to happen right now? They're all going to try to, you know, try to do exactly what the Democrats are doing. They're all going to try to attract, attack Trump one way or the other. But they don't have a shot because Trump is the king of the one-liners. So he's going to destroy these people with one-word nicknames. And then what's going to happen is they're going to be branded just like Pocahontas is branded. You know, just like Sleepy Joe is branded. Crate, you know, Crooked Hillary is branded. And that's it. And then it's all downhill from there. So I don't think anybody on out of these three that have said, okay, I want to become president, I don't think any of them have a shot. And I definitely don't think anybody on the left has a shot. The only person I did like was Tulsi Gabbard because I thought she was the most moderate and that she was not a war hawk. And that's what I look for personally. But other than that, you know, good luck with the rest of them. All right. Uh, so let's uh, talk about the next story, uh, which is involving another presidential candidate who is saying he will not uh, seek out the presidency. Uh, former Starbucks COO uh, Howard Schultz, uh, for months, flirted with the idea of an independent run for the presidency. 
saying he believed he could take on both Donald Trump and a Democrat running who would win the nomination. Uh, however, uh, Schultz has recently said that he will not seek the presidency. Um, he uh, says now that he... Um, uh, he's, he says now uh, that he fears he will split the vote, uh, and for that reason, he will not uh, uh, run uh, for the presidency. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, was, wasn't his policy in his position when he first decided that he may run for office was that he was totally against being far left because he knew it was a losing message. So he didn't want to label himself as a Democrat, and he felt that the Republicans were represented by Trump, so he didn't want to label himself as a Republican. Third-party candidates always unfortunate, and I, and I wish more people would support third-party candidates, but third-party candidates always have a tough, tough road to haul. So his, his chances of actually getting any type of traction behind him and, and he made major money other than spending his own money, it, you know, it was pretty slim. You know, he didn't have to appear on any of the debate stages. And when was the last time we really heard about Howard Schultz after Starbucks had that racial insensitivity debacle they had earlier in the year? You know, so you, you never even heard of him. And unfortunately, that's, that's a large part of the media. I believe the media, they like who they like. So you're going to see the candidates that they favor that align mostly with their, you know, and I believe about 90% of the media is, is liberal, that, that align with their viewpoints in the world. And Howard Schultz was never done. And if you remember, when he said that he wanted to run for president, and he said that he wasn't going to run the Democrat, he was being attacked. He was being vilified. You've seen people protest, and they were bashing, and they were... They were throwing Starbucks in garbage, and so he really didn't have a shot to begin with, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so Donald Trump, President Trump, uh, revealing on Twitter now that he initially uh, intended uh, to invite Taliban leaders uh, to a uh, summit, uh, uh, to a summit at Camp, da- Camp David the week. Uh, of the anniversary of 9-11, Trump saying in three separate tweets, quote, unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major Taliban leaders and separately the president of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with me at Camp David on Sunday. They were coming to the U.S. tonight. Unfortunately, to build false leverage, they admitted to an attack in Kabul that killed one of the great, great soldiers and 11 other people. I immediately canceled the meeting meeting and called off peace negotiations. Uh, what kind of people would go and kill so many people in order to strengthen their bargaining position? They didn't. They only made it worse. If only they cannot agree to ceasefire during these very important peace talks, then they would kill, uh, then would even kill, uh, oh, and would even kill 12 innocent people. They Then they probably... Uh, don't have the power to negotiate in a meaningful agreement anyway. How many uh, decades are they willing to fight? Your thoughts? It's a really sad situation. You've got a generation that has since been born since 9-11 happened and are now actually going and fighting in, and I'm 43 years old. And I remember when 9-11 happened, I remember seeing the buildings going into the planes I wish there was a way to get out of there. And unfortunately, just like the Vietnam War, Afghanistan is this generation's Vietnam War. It's a generational war. 
the whole purpose of Vietnam, to just to compare and contrast, was to eventually stop the domino effect of communism. We were fighting and supporting the southern half of that country. Russia and China, they were supporting the northern half of that country. And what happened the very day that we left? We were there for about 17 years and a few months. Soon as we left, they ran right through any soldiers that were there for, for that part of Vietnam, and they took over. But now what's happening all these decades later? Vietnam is a major trading partner. Yeah, sure, it's still communist control. But look at look, look at the back of the label on some of your clothing that you wear. A lot of it's probably made in Vietnam. So it's just an ideological difference in how people view things. And that's all politics and, and these ideological regime changes wars are. Wars are, pardon me. So you have over here, you've got Afghanistan. It's been labeled the graveyard of empires. Russia couldn't win there. United Kingdom, Great Britain couldn't win there. And we're not going to win there. So the only thing you have to do is kind of try to save face and spin it any way you want. But you have to blow the troops out. And so you're going to get your natural, national, natural blowback. And then people say, oh, just like, well, just like we lost all that ground in Iraq, and now we have to go back and do, do whatever we have to do again to get back to the territory that we have there. Who says we have to? One thing that President Trump always said is, what do you have in Syria? You have sand and death. That's the same thing you have in Afghanistan. You have no natural resources that we're going to go for other than they have the opium over there. So if you're trying to throw oil fields and opium. Well, other than that, you have to cut your losses sometimes. And so if you do it where, unfortunately, it was bad timing with trying to have Taliban leaders, you know, come here a couple of days before a solemn day here in the United States with 9-11 and go to Camp David, which is really bad for PR. You have to say, okay, at what point are we going to stop investing our, our natural resources, meaning our soldiers that we have here, and how much blood are we willing to shed, and at what cost, and how much more trillions of dollars, we're spending $4 billion a month right now in Afghanistan. So when people are talking about the economy and the trade wars and tariffs and all that stuff, I say, well, you've got real wars that are going on right now. So ultimately, the only way to end the war in Afghanistan is just to try to, you know, just save face somehow, spend it however you can, the best you can. And if you want to leave small contingency there, you know, feel free. But I feel the best route is to have countries that are directly surrounding Afghanistan actually take over the lead role over there. If Turkey wants to take over, have at it. But as far as the United States, we don't need to be the police force of the world. So we need to just, you know, say, all right, guys, you know, we, we did the best we could with you. We helped you out as much as we could. But if you want to go and, and, and tear each other apart, have at it. And just pull our and just, you know, cut bait. And that's it. All right. Uh, let's move on then uh, to the next story. Uh, so could another Kennedy be going uh, to uh, the Senate? Uh, right now, Ed Markey is the incumbent senator from Massachusetts, and he's hoping to seek a second full term in the United States Senate in 2020. But he may have a stiff competition uh, from uh, Joe Kennedy uh, the third, uh, Kennedy, uh, who, um, uh, uh, Kennedy, who has represented Massachusetts fourth congressional district, uh, in the United States Senate since 2013 now says he is considering uh, a primary challenge, uh, to Senator Markey. 
uh, criticizing Markey's record um, in the U.S. Senate uh, for um, uh, if he was uh, if he was elected, uh, uh, Kennedy would be uh, the third or no, sorry, the fourth uh, uh, Kennedy to serve in the United States Senate uh, after, of course, John F. Kennedy, uh, 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 Robert F. Kennedy, um, uh, hold on, sorry, um, after uh, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Ted Kennedy. Um, so he would be the third uh, Kennedy to serve in the United States Senate. What are your thoughts on uh, Joe Kennedy potentially running for the U.S. Senate? I think it's a relative unknown other than his family's name recognition. Um, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He looks a little bit like Conan O'Brien. Uh, probably a nice Irish guy. He's got his family's legacy and his family's history. Unfortunately, that same history is the curse of the Kennedys. That's why he was, unfortunately, whenever the family members reach some type of, of higher office, unfortunately, bad things happen there, and it's, it's a real shame. So I don't know if the curse is a real thing, but it's possible. I did hear him, uh, I remember, I think it was, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember about two years ago, he did some type of a speech. It was something where he was in front of a, a hangar, like an airplane hangar or something like that, and he was he was speaking in you know, fluent Spanish. Was, Spanish was, was impressive, um, but he doesn't have you know national name recognition. And, you know, I'm in New Jersey, so Massachusetts politics is, is is clearly unique to them its own. But if he can capitalize on whatever connections that his family has in office, you know, I think you know the Kennedys, you know, still have some some pull over there. Then he should be able to get some money behind him, which is what you need to run a successful campaign. So we'll see. Because you know, if, if he's a Democrat, so obviously the media is gonna is gonna, you know, give him favorable views and, and coverage. And if he can do that, then they may try to you know re- feel like it's a reincarnation of the Kennedy dynasty. It hasn't been for a while. So good luck to him. Hopefully he does well. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next story. So going back to the Republican primaries, Donald Trump right now the favorite out of the four Republicans running to win the nomination. Uh, however, uh, some states may be canceling their primaries. Uh, right now, uh, Republicans in, uh, or uh, the Republican parties in South Carolina, Kansas, Nevada, and Arizona uh, are considering eliminating the Republican primaries in those states uh, in 2000 uh, and uh, uh, 20. Uh, uh, right now, uh, one of the, uh, the arguments that South Carolina GOP chairman Drew, uh, McKissick is saying is quote, with no legitimate primary challenger and president Trump's record of results, the decision was made to save California, South Carolina taxpayers over $1.2 million, uh, and forego an unnecessary primary, um, and, uh, on top of that, uh, Kelly Ward, uh, the Arizona, um, uh, the Arizona uh, GOP chairman, uh, has also uh, defended um, 
the uh, the decision to for Arizona to skip uh, their Republican uh, primaries. Um, however, Joe Walsh, uh, Bill and Bill Weld are uh, not happy about this news. Uh, right now, Walsh uh, saying that the Republican Party is, quote, scared to death of his campaign. Uh, uh, Walsh said, the, the, the former Illinois congressman said this, he said, quote, this is not North Korea or Russia. Donald Trump is trying to eliminate elections. Uh, he went on to say, this is undemocratic BS. It's wrong, and that's the kind of thing that should piss off Republican voters. Uh, Walsh said, quote, I think they're afraid. I think they're scared to death this president uh, of th- this president having any other name on the primary ballot against him and he's imploding day by day. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Republicans canceling four of their primaries? I don't know what the history is on primaries being canceled. I don't know if it's ever occurred. I've never heard of it in my lifetime being canceled. So this would be unprecedented if it is. So you have two parts here. So to Joe Walsh's defense, I would be upset too. If I'm trying to get my name out there, how can I have a shot of, of securing the, nom- the party's nomination if I'm not even on the ballot in some states? So right off the bat, I'm losing three states right there. It's not, it's not fair to the other nominees. What the party is de facto saying is that, hey, we're running with Trump, and you guys should all just save your campaign money and just you know, get on board with this train because you know you have no shot to begin with, and we're telling you you don't have a shot to begin with. Now let's do another point over here. If you go back to 2016, what was the accusation against Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party? That they rigged the election in the primaries against against Bernie Sanders. You recall that? Um, you, re- you recall that, right? I, well, yeah, I re- recall the, the controversy, okay. yes. Right, of course. So this is no different than that. So what's the difference between the Democratic Party, you know, giving superdelegates to Hillary Clinton you know, thereby, you know, shifting, you know, the vote count towards their preferred candidate and actually giving questions ahead of time uh, with CNN debates to her. This, this might have was just being blatant about it and with the Republicans now saying, hey, yeah, we're, we're just giving it to Trump. So I, I think it's I think it's wrong. I think you should give the voters, even if you feel strongly that Trump has a better than 90 percent chance of winning the primary, you should still let the voters speak. And so to, to the other challengers, you need to have a level playing field. That doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, independent, or Republican. It needs to be fair across the board. And you can't just tip the scale by saying, okay, you know, these three states and then if other states, you know, hop on board, they are, we're, you know, forget about everything you do. We're, we're just going to give it to Trump. It's the same thing the Democrats did back then when they didn't even allow, I think it, I think it was Nevada, when they didn't even allow you know, the voters to vote, they just gave the delegates to Hillary Clinton. So this is the exact same thing. The politicians are doing what, what they have a, a recent history and what they've pretty much always done is pick the favorite horse that they like and everybody else just needs to you know, keep their mouth shut if they want to keep receiving you know, campaign funds from the higher-ups in their parties. And unfortunately, that's it. That's sad.
All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So the next story uh, is involving uh, is involving the West Virginia gubernatorial election in 2020. If you remember, incumbent Governor Jim Justice uh, was elected as a Democrat in 2016, um, but uh, eventually changed his party registration to Republican and is now running for re-election as a Republican. Uh, However, um, there were rumors for months that Senator Joe Manchin, who previously served uh, as governor of the state, might be considering a Democratic challenge to justice. Uh, Polling showed Manchin leading by as much as 10 points uh, in some polls. However, Manchin saying now that he will not be running for governor, instead opting to finish out his term in the United States Senate, uh, which uh, will continue until 2024. Uh, However, new speculation uh, is mounting that former CEO uh, of uh, Massey Energy, uh, Don Blankenship, uh, could be running for governor. Blankenship was a Republican candidate for Senate in 2018. Uh, He was controversial for a mining accident uh, that happened uh, in his company. Um, He ran as a Republican for U.S. Senate but lost. Um, He has recently changed his party affiliation to Democrat, uh, fueling speculation that he could be seeking the Democratic line for governor. Uh, What are your thoughts on Manchin not running for U.S. Senate or not running for governor? Well, I think Manchin is safe no matter what he does. Uh, he's a Democrat, and by voting for Justice Gorsuch, you know, he, was, he was able to keep himself in the good graces of his population and of his electorate, because he knows what, what his electorate like. If you have a, a county in a state that votes 90% for either party, it's hard, it's hard to win any election or re-election if you're in the opposing party. And that's what you have in West Virginia. It's a very beautiful state. I've been there recently, um, and they had tremendous economic success. I think the reason why you're seeing the, this governor, why he's why he switched parties, is because it's self-serving. He jumped on the Trump train. He sees his, he sees his part. His state is doing well financially. They're growing economically. So he wants to be on the side of the popular vote. And if the majority of people in West Virginia, 90%, vote Republican, well, it only serves him that you know the best chances to say, okay, hey, I'm one of you guys now. I know I wasn't before, but now I am. So hey, you know, I'm, you know, vote for me because now I'm a quote unquote Republican, which could be Republican in name only. It's the same thing with Bernie Sanders. What what is Bernie Sanders? Is he an independent? Is he a socialist? Is he a Democrat? He can't win as an independent, so now two times in a row he's trying to run on the Democratic ticket. So what is really a party? A party is just a group of people that are trying to get together to push whoever can get to the top so they can collectively pool their money together so they can control power. So whether this gentleman wants to call himself a Republican now and any of his challengers want to try to win as a Democrat, you know, good luck to them all. But what they're doing is what politicians always do. And that's just trying to, you know, get with the best horse that can get them, you know, to the, to the front of the pack. And then that's what we're looking at over here. 
Hey, whoever, whoever has the, you know, the best message ultimately will resonate with the voters. And you can win, you can be a Democrat and win a Republican, like Joe mentioned it, and vice versa. So, more power to them all. All right, well, let's move on across the pond uh, to England to some news regarding Brexit. Uh, so, right now, uh, the Tory party lost their majority in the House of Commons after a number of Tories uh, defected to the anti-Brexit coalition. Um, This was because uh, they were upset with uh, Boris Johnson's uh, uh, express uh, for a no-deal Brexit. Um, They recently voted to block a no-deal Brexit. Uh, Johnson himself, the Prime Minister of England, uh, is now hoping to challenge uh, that no-deal Brexit uh, in court. He has said that he would rather, quote, die in a ditch uh, than, uh, than, uh, follow, than go uh, through with another Brexit delay. Um, although the law, based on what has been passed, uh, would require uh, Mr. Johnson to do so. Um, Uh, Meanwhile, Johnson is also getting ready to suspend Parliament until October 14th. Uh, What are your thoughts on on what's going on in England? I mean, shame on any of the politicians who are trying not to allow Brexit to go through. Imagine that you are a proud UK citizen, and you've always been, and you had a national vote. And it's always about the majority. Not everybody's going to be happy. But the majority of your fellow countrymen said, hey, listen, we want to maintain our sovereign borders again. We don't want the European Union and all the other countries affiliated with it to tell us who can immigrate to our country, who can work in our country, and how we can help and how to control our borders and how we run our country. That's what's going on over there. So Theresa May couldn't do it. Maybe Boris Johnson can do it. But when you have a lot of vested interest in leaving the status quo the way it is, and usually that means there's a ton of people making a lot of money off of it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough tough separation, like a really really nasty divorce that takes a long time to go through. But just like if you if you look at power and if you look at control of land, this is an unofficial control of the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom may still think that they have control of their country, but they don't. When you have other countries telling you how to control and what and how, and how your laws should be, you really have given up full sovereignty of your country. And that's why the people voted to get away from Brexit. So just like with Russia, they want to try to make it back where they annexed Crimea, and they want to get back to the glory days of the USSR, the Soviet Union. That's what you have right now. You have the European Union, sort of a version of Soviet Union, where there's even though there, there's a you know a cooperative together. There's unelected bureaucrats that control those countries that are, are part of the European Union. The smartest thing that the UK did was keep their currency. The worst thing they did was join the European Union, because it was good in theory, but it's bad in reality. So whether Boris Johnson can, can do some backdoor finagling by suspending Parliament like he said he was going to be doing, and get it done somehow, some way, good luck. Now, let's look at, let's look at the reality. Let's say... You know, no one, Brexit definitely happened. And everybody's cheering, yay, you know, Brexit happened. 
what physically changes? They still don't have an actual border over there. People could still cut across like it's nothing because it's just like the European Union, if you get to Europe, it's just like you're in the United States. You can go from one state to other. There aren't really any checkpoints. It's not that hard to get from one spot to the other. All it is is right now they're talking about basically for trade and taxes. So whether it actually happens or not, who's to know? But it's got to take political will. And maybe maybe if the queen has some type of pull, maybe she can get involved. But it seems like she's just more happy just doing photo ops and taking pictures and, and collecting their taxes off the, the masses over there. But we'll see what happens. All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, Alabama's Republican governor, Kay Ivey, is now coming under fire uh, for a leaked uh, tape that, uh, or for a leaked skit from 1967 uh, that showed her in blackface. Uh, Ivey uh, apologized for the skit, saying she doesn't recall that, um, but uh, believes everything that was in the skit and has apologized uh, for it. Um, Many people are calling for Ivy to resign. However, Ivy, during a local radio show in Alabama, was asked if she would resign uh, as governor. Uh, She said, quote, Heavens no. Uh, The uh, controversy is similar to a controversy uh, a couple months ago at the beginning of the year uh, when a photo showed uh, Virginia Go- Democratic Virginia Governor Ralph Northam uh, showed a yearbook photo of him in blackface. Um, uh, Ivy took over uh, for uh, Governor Robert uh, after the resignation of Governor Robert Bentley uh, in 2018 after an affair he had with his mistress. Uh, if Ivy were to resign, her lieutenant governor, Will Ainsworth, uh, would be next in line to become governor of Alabama. What are your thoughts on the controversy uh, surrounding uh, Kay Ivey? Well, I'm not too familiar with this controversy, but it seems like it's pretty clear cut. I'm looking at an article about it right now. So let's use the comparison that you brought up with the governor, Ralph Northam in Virginia. Not only was there a photo of him in blackface, there was also a photo of him in a Ku Klux Klan garb, which was put in, which was put in his high school yearbook, if you can believe that, that the, that the school, you know, photographer, that the, the editorial board for the school that put together the high school yearbook, I thought that was okay to put in there, and you know, where was the grown-ups in the room back then? Anyway, which one is worse? You have Governor Northam, who first said, yeah, that was me, but I'm not going to say which one was me, but it was either me in blackface or it was me in, 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 with, the, with the white robe on, pretending I'm part of the KKK, and then denying it the following day, saying, no, that wasn't me. I don't know, magically, that must have, somebody must have hacked it into my yearbook, which what, wasn't even happening back then, 30 years ago. Or Kay Ivey. So one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. If it's, if it's good for one person to stay in power and in if there are the people that are below them, if they don't force them out, then it's the exact same thing should happen in this thing. And the other thing that you have to consider with KIB, why there may be some more push for her, is because she signed an abortion law that, you know, even though she knows it can't, you know, overturn Roe versus Wade, you, know, you have a lot of people that are strong proponents of abortion rights in this country, and 
they feel that she's everything doing everything she can to undermine that. So there may be more of a more of a story to this than just the blackface. So it, you know, blackface is one of those things where I don't condone it because it's very it's very offensive. So you have to look at it from face value. And if she's got to step down, then they all have to step down. And if no one's stepping down, then she's not going to step down. So ultimately, it's up to the voters. And I don't know if she's going to run for a re-election or not. But if she's not going to step down, just like Ralph Northam to step down, and just like any other person who, it was like a wave of people that said, oh, I did it, I did it, me too, hashtag me too with the blackface. That if there were no consequences for them, what you're seeing with Kay Ivey is she's saying, okay, I see that, I might get some bad press. But nobody, as long as you can ride out the wave and the storm, you know, nothing will happen to you. I think she's calculating politically to just say, okay, you know, I'm just going to gonna lay low right now and just go about my business. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, move on to the next story. Uh, so the next story is involving uh, Zimbabwe's former... Uh, Prime Minister Robert Mugabe. He was a controversial Prime Minister uh, who served in that position from 1980 to 1987. Uh, Mugabe uh, was controversial uh, for his uh, belief in Marxism and socialism in the country um, and for his his advocation for African nationalism. Uh, Many people uh, lambasted him for what uh, they viewed as human rights violations uh, and his dictatorship uh, throughout. Um, he has died at the age of 95. What are your thoughts on the death of uh, Zimbabwe's former Prime Minister Robert Mugabe? There was a military coup that ousted him in 2017 because they knew that it was just a matter of time and maybe he had failing health back then, which is why they wanted to just get him out. But they did, it was unprecedented. They didn't, they did allow him and his wife to remain in, in, in the luxurious compound that they were living in. The man was a dictator. And just like dictators that came before him and dictators that will come after him, he ruled with an iron fist. He was the epitome of a nationalist as far as for being a proud African but also being a racist because he didn't support any white ownership of farmland over there. So you have him basically ruling with fiat and being a, and being a power for over 30 years. And you don't have a free democratic society. But I'm, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to preface it this way. There's a lot of bad actors in the world, know it. And if the people of those countries like in Cuba with the Castro brothers. If the people of, of those countries really wanted those leaders out, they would find a way to get them out. But unfortunately, whether it's through lack of education, you have people that rule with an iron fist and you have dictators for a reason because that's all some of the people in those countries understand and that's all I know. And some people may say, wow, you're being so mean, Bucci. how are you being so cold like that? Because that's the way the world is. Because if you compare Mr. Mugabe to to a person like Saddam Hussein, he kept that part of the Middle East under lock and fist and lock and key, and he knew how to control. And what happened as soon as we took out Saddam Hussein? You created a vacuum. Same thing with with Muammar Gaddafi. As soon as we 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 took out Muammar Gaddafi, and they killed him in the streets. If you remember that visual, 
And we were we were the main cause of that. So, you know, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, so that, that created a you know a, a vacuum where now you have all types of terrorism activities happening in Libya. Libya, and now people are are jumping from Libya and doing mass migration into into Europe. So unfortunately, you have these bad actors in the world and these dictators, but they're there because that's what they know. They know how to rule with an iron fist, and they know what it means to keep the peace in their region. If you take a look at Africa, it's not a democratic country. There's a lot of tribal areas that are, there still have tribal and, and, and warlords that control different areas of that continent. So it's not like you're here in the United States or in Canada or in other first world countries. They don't, they don't understand civility over there. What they understand is leaders and tribes because this is how it's been for hundreds and thousands of years. And who are we to change that? So if that's what the people respect, they respect power. And that's what you have to let it be, yes. All right. Well, why don't we move on to our next story? So Trump uh, getting into a fight uh, with uh, celebrity Christy Teigen. Uh, He says uh, in a series of tweets, quote, When all the people pushing so hard for criminal justice reform were unable to come close to getting it done, they came to me as uh, as a group and asked for my help. I got it done with a group of senators and others uh, who would never have gone for it. Obama couldn't come close. A man named Van Jones and many others uh, were profusely grateful uh, at that time, he puts in parentheses, I signed it into law. No one else did, and Republicans deserve much credit. Uh, but now that it has that it has passed, people that had virtually nothing to do with it are taking praise. Guys like boring musician John Legend and his filthy-mouthed wife are uh, are now talking about how great it is. But I didn't see them uh, around uh, when we needed help getting it passed. Anchor, he puts that in quotation marks, anchor, Lester Holt, doesn't even bring up the subject of President Trump or, or the Republicans when talking about it. The purpose uh, or, or passage of criminal justice reform. Uh, they only talk about the minor players uh, or people that had nothing to do with it. Uh, and the people that so desperately sought my help... Uh, when uh, everyone had, uh, when everyone else failed, uh, had failed, all they talk about is impeaching President Trump. Um, uh, uh, John Legend responding to Trump in a tweet saying, "Quote: Imagine a president uh, of a whole of uh, of a whole country and spending your Sunday night uh, hate watching MSNBC." Hoping somebody, anybody will praise you. Melania, please praise this man. He needs you. Uh, and Christy Teigen gave a more vulgar response saying, quote, Luna, remember the night before your first day of school referring to her daughter when mommy was making the sign, uh, your sign and the, quote, P word, ass, uh, quote, B word, president, um, uh, had his ninth meltdown of the day. Uh, your thoughts uh, on the controversy? I think it's beneath the president to respond to 
dad doesn't like him, especially a guy like John Legend, who has who has said a lot worse things about the president, Tracy Deegan. You know, so what do celebrities know? They know that any any press is good press, and if it can get them additional attention, that's fine. But there are also people just like you and me, and they're going to have their opinions, and they're entitled to that because that's the First Amendment. So the president did do what nobody else could get done, and that was with the first step tax. So you, he could he could find a cure for cancer, as Sean Hannity always says, and they're not going to you know like him or do anything that's going to praise him. So in a country where 45% of the, of the population hates you just because of the political affiliation you have, but when you're the president, you've got world crisis situation going on along with what's happening in your home country. So I know he loves to tweet, and the main criticism that he's had is because he tweets too much, but you know, if, it, if it's what brought him, to the, brought him to the dance and got him elected, and, you know, I guess he's going to keep doing it. But just like when he was having that, you know, Twitter beef with, the, you know, Stikon, the mayor of London, and, you know, he was going back and forth with him, and in contact with something, he's like, don't you have a country to run? He's like, why do you have so much time to talk, you know, back and forth about, you know, what's going on with me? And that's the same thing Trump needs to do. It's like, you can, you have a lot, of, you have a lot of haters out there in the world, and they're going to hate on you no matter what. And the Trump Trump really needs to just focus on the positive and stay stay directed on his message. And history will show what he does, and they will focus on on the impact of his actions and that he's achieved, you know, economically and legislatively. And a tweet between him and and two celebrities and musicians, it's really just going to be an, uh, not even an afterthought. Because how many people, if you go to Trump's Twitter feed, how many people are bashing him on Twitter? Thousands, thousands. And what's he going to do? He's going to reply to every single one. But I think what a lot of people don't realize and what sometimes they lose sight of is when Trump does respond to somebody's tweets, even for, for just, you know, celebrities and, and musicians, it's because he's trying to control the narrative. So let's say there's a bad economic report or something going on in the country right now, especially especially with this current topic of the Taliban, you know, meetings that blew up in his face. He's focusing on that and having the media focus on that to try not to focus and deflect from what happened with the negative press he's getting on there. So he'll take a small negative hit with Chrissy Teigen or John Legend or Rosie O'Donnell or anybody else when it benefits him. Otherwise, you know, what he did what he did talk about with the first half act was valid and he deserves credit for that. But I, I, I strongly doubt that any of these people are gonna give him any credit for anything. And, and that's not fair. Uh, all right, uh, B.H. Bucci, everyone, thank you again for joining me. Uh, before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found, uh, where they can listen to your podcast, uh, and perhaps where they could find you on social media? Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me on. It was a great time. I, was, I love politics, and I love talking about it and, and debating people. It's always a lot of fun. Just go to www.thecentrist.com voice.com it's a one-stop shop you can find the book that i have the war for the middle that i released earlier this year it talks about common ground and just having you know the lack of civilian in this country and how we can get more to the center as far as our dialogue and then when you scroll to the bottom of the centristvoice.com site you'll see the link for the podcast and what i do on the podcast is i basically whatever blog posts i write 
I'll animate them and I'll read them and then I'll expand upon them with additional additional afterthoughts. So go to thecentristvoice.com and that's where you'll find me and people can contact me and you know, talk more if they want. All right, thank you again for joining us. Uh, bye. Yeah, good time, man. Bye. Yes. The indicators that are being used from GDP to Wall Street's rankings is not helping people in my community. It is about time that we have an economy that works for everybody, not just the wealthiest in our nation. He is considered a rising star in the Democratic Party by many. A bachelor who served as a mayor and a senator, he now hopes to be America's second black president. Who is Cory Booker? the New Jersey Senator hoping to win the White House. The Candidates Keep America Great! Their story. Yeah, you're always, when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to specula speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Corey Anthony Booker was born on the 27th of April, 1969 in Washington, D.C. to Carolyn and Carrie. He grew up in Harrington Park, New Jersey. He pursued a career in varsity, basketball and was featured in a USA Today magazine. He pursued a liberal arts degree in at Sanford University whilst playing football at the school. He eventually received a scholarship to Oxford University. After graduating, he temporarily moved to Connecticut, joining activist groups fighting for low-income people. After completing this, he moved to New York where he ran for municipal council. Although he was considered a long shot throughout the campaign, Booker successfully managed to defeat longtime incumbent George Branch. Booker went on a 10-day hunger strike. Eventually, in 2002, Booker declined to run for re-election, instead running for mayor of New York against incumbent Democratic Mayor Sharp James. James called Booker a Republican who took money from the KKK and Taliban, who's collaborating with the Jews to take over New York. New York's residents criticized Booker for not understanding the area. Eventually, Booker lost by 53-47% margin, though the story was adapted into the Oscar-nominated documentary Street Fight. Booker announced he'd run again in 2006. Sharp retired to focus on his state Senate seat. Booker beat Deputy Mayor Ronald Rice with over 72% of the vote. First of all, uh, I think Cory Booker is an outstanding mayor. Uh, he's doing great work in Newark uh, and obviously helping to to turn that city around. As mayor, Booker took on a more moderate approach to policy, with many calling him a libertarian-leaning Democrat. He was famous for supporting charter schools, a position unpopular in his party. In 2010, he won re-election, 
beating Essex County Prosecutor Clifford J. Minor with over 59% of the vote. In 2012, Booker made headlines after he saved a woman from a burning building. The story launched him into stardom. Immediately, many speculated he could eventually become a candidate for president, and that he may be the next Barack Obama. In 2013, Booker got his big break after the death of longtime Senator Frank Lautenberg. Booker announced finally that he'd be running for Senate. Booker faced a large Democratic primary for the seat. New Jersey Assembly Speaker Sheila Oliver, Congressman Rush Holt, and Congressman Frank Pallone all threw their hats in the ring. In spite of this, Booker won the primary with over 59% of the vote. In the general election, he faced former Republican Mayor of Bogota, New Jersey Steve Lonergan. He beat Lonergan by a 55-44% margin. In spite of his previous record, Booker took more progressive stances in Congress advocating for reparations for defendants of slaves and marijuana legalization. The New York Times ranked him as the third most liberal senator, though he took more hawkish stances on Iran. On many days that I uh, come down to Washington, uh, brokenhearted and very angry. In 2014, Booker ran for a full term, taking on the likes of Republican political consultant Jeff Bell. He beat Bell by a 56 to 42 percent margin. In spite of rumors that Booker would run for president in 2016, he declined, instead endorsing former U.S. Secretary of State, for New York Senator and former U.S. First Lady Hillary Clinton. Clinton won the nomination, and Booker was rumored to be her running mate for vice president, though Virginia Senator, former governor and former Richmond Mayor Tim Kaine was later chosen instead. Clinton went on to lose to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. Former DNC Chair Donna Brazil confirmed she considered kicking Clinton off the ticket to include a new ticket featuring Booker alongside U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. In 2020, however, Booker made a huge announcement. I'm Cory Booker and I'm running for President of the United States of America. Interestingly, Booker may also run for re-election in the U.S. Senate at the same time in 2020 as no law in New Jersey prohibits that. Now, he hopes to be America's 46th president. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly.